We're beginning chapter 5, which takes place in Philistine territory in the south of Israel. So let's look at verse 1. And the Philistines took the Ark of God, and they brought it, from Ebenezer, where they had encamped in that war against the Jews. Ashtoda. They brought it to Ashtod. Verse 2. And the Philistines took the Ark of God, and they brought it to the house of Dagon, and they set it up next to Dagon. So the Philistines have this deity, his name is Dagon. We saw back in the days of Samson that Samson was bound and they brought him to a big stadium. It says they gathered to offer sacrifices to Dagon in Gaza. So that's their deity. And Dagon comes from the word Dag, which means fish. And we know that this particular deity was an idol made in the likeness of a fish. The Redak and the Arbarbanel say, That Dagon was in the form of a fish from the waist and up. And his hands and his legs were in the form of a man. So he was half fish, half man. You heard of a mermaid? Well, this is a merman. Now, why would their deity be in that kind of form? Well, remember Ashkelon and Ashdod. These are port cities. They sit on the Mediterranean. And fishing is an important part of what they do. So they craft their god after a fish to get the brachas that they want to get. Now, the verse says they set the ark of God next to their god. And the Midrash says the following about this. Rabbi Yochanan said, they honored the ark. They said, this is a god and this is a god. Let one god dwell beside another god. So according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan, they put the holy ark in the house of Dagon because that's where the gods hang out. So it was like a complimentary thing. But Rav Shima ben Lakish said, no, 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 they weren't honoring the ark. Rather, they said, this one is the victor. That is, Dagon is the winner. And this one is the loser. Let the defeated, let the loser come and pay homage to the victor. So according to that opinion, this was a big chil Hashem. They're saying that the holy ark was the vanquished and Dagon was the victor and the defeated holy ark has to pay homage to the victor. So that's not showing respect at all. That's a degradation of the holy ark. And that's why stuff is going to start happening here. Verse 3, And the Philistines from Ashdod arose early the next day. And behold, surprise, the gon had fallen to the ground on his face. That is, he was face downwards to the ground. Before the Ark of the Lord. So what a sight that must have been. It's like he's bowing down to the Ark of the Lord. And they took the gon, and they returned it to its former place where he was before. Now you could say it was a coincidence that maybe Dagon somehow fell down before the ark like he was bowing down to him. But remember, they had placed the ark beside Dagon, not across from him. So if they were standing side by side, it's impossible for Dagon to suddenly fall into that position. And therefore, they already realized this is some kind of divine visitation over here which is making Dagon bow before the almighty ark. But the Philistines don't take the hint. And they simply move Dagon back to his place and see what's going to happen the next day. So let's see what happens the next day. Verse 4, And they arose early in the morning. Notice they're pretty excited to see what's going to happen. In the earlier verse it said, And they arose early. But this is early in the morning. So they're really anxious to check out Beit Dagon. Alaboker. Vihine Dagon nofel lefanav 
And just like the day before, the Gon was fallen down, face to the ground, Lifnei Aron Elokim, before the Ark of God. But he wasn't just on the ground, but it says, But the Gon's head and the two palms of his hands were cut off, Elamiftan, on the floor. The only thing left was the Gon, that is the trunk of Dagon was the only thing that remained because the palms of his hands and his head were cut off. How's that for a sight first thing in the morning? Now there's a couple different opinions. What was really left of Dagon? Was he just a trunk, just a body with no head and no hands? That's one possibility. According to the Radak, the top of Dagon and the two palms of his hands were cut off and the fish part, that is the lower part, remained. And so according to that, their God went from a merman half man, half fish, to just a fish. And by doing that, Hashem turned the Chilul Hashem into a Kiddush Hashem. By severing the Rosh in the hands of the Gan, which is the human part of it, all that was left was the fish part, showing them that their deity doesn't have any more power or understanding than a fish. So while the Philistines were trying to degrade the Ark of Hashem and the God of the Jewish people, by placing him next to their God, Dagon, Hashem is showing them who's the boss here. God turns it around to them and sanctifies his name. And this is the ultimate example where Hashem is sanctifying his name, not for us, but for the sake of his holy name, which has been defiled amongst the nations. Verse 5, Alken, as a result of all this, that is after what happened to their God Dagon, the priests of Dagon, and anybody who entered the house of Dagon, Al Miftan Dagon. They would not step upon the threshold of Dagon. They would not step on the floor there. That particular temple of Dagon in Ashdod, to this day, nobody stepped foot in there because it was considered hallowed, sanctified by the very fact that the severed parts of Dagon were laying there on the floor. It made that place holy in their eyes. And that's what Hashem does. First, He punishes their gods. And then he punishes them themselves. And that's what's going to happen now in verse 6, where it says, And the hand of the Lord became heavy upon the Ashdod residents. That is the Philistines in Ashdod. It says the hand of God was heavy upon them. Which comes from the word Shmama, which means desolation. So how do you turn that into a verb? Well, you can say that God brought devastation upon them or he ravaged them. And he smote them with, and here's another tough word, Ophalim, let's get back to that word later, all of Ashdod and all its vicinity was smitten with this thing called Opalim, and that's translated as a tumor. Now, if you look at the margin of the Bible, if you have a Hebrew one, you'll see another word. Instead of Opalim, that's the clean language of what they really want to say. What they were stricken with is Tchorim. You'll see that in a Hebrew Bible, but Tchorim, Tchorim are hemorrhoids. That's not an appropriate thing to put in the Bible. So it's written down in the margin in small print, but no, that's what it was, hemorrhoids. And the Hebrew word that's used here, afel, aflim, which may be translated in some places as a tumor. Yeah, it's a tumor, but it's a tumor in that very uncomfortable place. You don't want a tumor. But it's called ophelim because afel means dark or concealed. So they're smitten with this kind of tumor in a concealed place. And that is a nice way of saying they got hit with hemorrhoids. Just going back to the wording of verse 6, that the hand of the Lord became heavy, because kaved means heavy. But in that word kaved is also the word kavod, honor. Because Hashem's name is honored and sanctified when He punishes the nations because they had been degrading the Aaron and degrading the God of Israel. And now, 
that heavy hand, Tehbad Yad, is giving Hashem kavod. Because that's what the nations understand. They understand power and strength. That's what they respect. He's mitkabed. He gets kavod when when his hand is heavy on the nations. So Ashdod and the whole vicinity of Ashdod is getting smitten with hemorrhoids and some other stuff that we'll go into later. And they have no idea what to do about this. Let's see anyway what they try to do here in verse 7. And the people of Ashdod saw kichen, which literally means that it was so. In other words, they saw what the ark was doing to them. And they said, Let not the ark of the God of Israel dwell amongst us. For his hand is severe against us. And it's upon our God Dagon as well. Now what's key in this verse is this is the first time they refer to the ark, not just as the Aaron, Elohim, the ark of God, but the ark of Eloke Israel, ark of the God of Israel. So as God gets kavod, the Jewish people are getting kavod because his name is tied to our name. And from here on on, every time they refer to the ark, it's not going to just be the ark of God, but the ark of the God of Israel. Verse 8, So they sent and they gathered, that is the Ashdodites, the Philistines from Ashdod, they sent and they gathered all the lords of the Philistines to come to them. Now, the land of the Philistines, so to speak, was comprised of five areas. Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, Gat, and Aza, which were all cities, of course, in the south of Israel. And each area had a lord or a leader, but there was no such thing as a king of the Philistines. Each of those five Philistine cities ran their own city independently with their lord or their leader. Now, later on, we're going to see with King David, when he flees Saul, he flees to Gat, and there he runs into Achish Melech Gat. Achish, the king of Gat. But he was just the king of Gat. He wasn't king of the Philistines or anything. Because we see later in that episode that Achish, the king of Gat, was totally convinced that David was loyal to him, and he wanted him to fight alongside with him against the Jewish army. It's a crazy story at the end of the book of Shmuel. Achish wanted David and his men to join the ranks of the Philistines, and he was overruled by the rest of the Philistine lords. They overruled him. They didn't want David going out to the war. They didn't trust David. So they vetoed Achish Melech Gat. And so we see there was no king of the Philistines who had some absolute power or anything. It's just that each seren, each general or lord, was in charge of his particular city. So they come all together now and they say the following, What shall we do with that ark of the God of Israel? And they said, Let's bring that ark around to the city of Gat. And that's what they did. They brought the ark of God of Israel. And notice they say it twice in this verse, The ark of the God of Israel, they bring it around to Gat. Again, Gat is one of the Philistine cities. Now, why are they moving the Aron to Gat and later on they'll move it to other places? Because the way they look at things, the Ark of God was striking the people in Ashdod because the Ark didn't like to place Ashdod. So they figure if they shift locations, that is, if they change the location of the Ark, maybe we'll get different results. As they say in Hebrew, if you change the place, maybe we'll get a different muzzle over here. Verse 9, And it was that after they brought it around, that is, they brought the ark around to Gat, that the hand of the Lord was upon the city with a great panic. And he smote the people of the city, both young and old, 
And again, these opalim broke out. And what are those opalim? Hemorrhoids broke out amongst them too. So we see it doesn't help. They bring the ark to Gat and they get the same results. Everybody's getting stricken with hemorrhoids. And on this, the commentator, the Ralbach says that there wasn't a resident who wasn't spared from hemorrhoids. And the Tchorim, the hemorrhoids, are in a hidden place. They're concealed. And that makes it much more difficult to cure because it's in a place you can't get to. Well, now why did Hashem punish them with hemorrhoids? Well, you got to figure everything is measure for measure. And it's the type of ailment that's really humiliating. It could bring down the hoardy pretty quickly. It kind of shows how vulnerable we all are. But the Philistines keep thinking that it's a matter of location. And again, if they change the location, maybe the plagues will stop. Verse 10, And they sent away the Ark of God to Ekron, whose they, the people of God, they had quite enough. And so they send the Ark of God now over to Ekron. And Ekron is one of the five Philistine cities. And it's the closest to the area of Judea. It's the northernmost Philistine city. It's near Rehovot. As a matter of fact, today there's a place, Kiryat Ekron, which is like a little suburb of Rehovot. Anyway, what happened in Ekron? And when the Ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites, they cried out. They cried out from the pain of the hemorrhoids. And they said, they brought around this Ark of God of Israel, la mitenu vetami, to kill me and to kill my people. Get this Ark out of here. It's killing us. So nobody wants this Ark. And this Ark probably got passed around to all five cities. It doesn't have to mention in the Tanakh that it went to Ashdod and Ashkelon and Azza and Gat. It mentions Ashdod, Gat and Ekron. That's quite enough. It probably got to Azza and Ashkelon too, but that's superfluous to put it here. But the point is, the Aron made its rounds to all the five towns, those five Philistine cities. And so what we have here is a huge persumanisa. We have a tremendous publicizing of the miracle. Because as the ark gets passed around and around, all the Philistines are getting to know Hashem. And they're getting to know Hashem the hard way. So this thing is spread out to all the five towns. So they're at their wit's end here. They don't know what to do. And it says in verse 11, So they sent and they gathered, all the generals of the Philistines, the lords of the Philistines, and they said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel. Get this ark out of here. Send it back to where it came from. Send it back to the Jews. So that it won't kill me and my people. Because there was a panic of death in the entire city. So now the verse is mentioning something that sounds worse than just an annoying ailment of hemorrhoids. There was a panic of death in the entire city. And that's why many commentators say there was also pestilence or plagues that were brought about by mice. And we'll see why later on they think that. So people are dying here. They're not just walking around with hemorrhoids. And the verse concludes, Kavdama od. For the hand of God was heavy there. And again, we have the word kavdamaod, kavda from the word kavod, which means honor. And when the hand of God is heavy, Hashem's name is glorified. And we see this concept over and over again. If you go to the book of Exodus in chapter 14, the beginning of it, right before the splitting of the sea, Hashem says, And I will get myself honor upon paro, from the lashon kavod, I will be glorified, ikabda, 
And then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So we see the connection, as it says here, The hand of God was very heavy. When his hand is heavy, that's when he gets honor amongst the nations. And then we finish the chapter in verse 12. And those who did not die, who kubo palim, they were smitten with hemorrhoids. And the cry of the city went up to the heavens. So we see from this final verse that the people weren't just smitten with hemorrhoids, but it says the people who didn't die, they were smitten with hemorrhoids. So a lot of people died here. So we have something else going on. Again, maybe some kind of pestilence that was caused by mice. But obviously, these Philistine cities had had quite enough of the ark. Now, before we sign off, it's really interesting to refer to one of the Psalms that relates to this entire episode, not of just the ox fighting the Philistines, but the whole story of the war with the Philistines and the demise of Mishkan Shiloh. King David in Psalms in Tehillim, he kind of gives his version of events and it's in Psalms Ayin Chet 78. And it's a really long Psalm where King David goes through the entire history of the Jewish people. And we're going to relate to the part where he gets up to our episode, all that's happening in Shiloh and the aftermath. And you should follow along with me here because it's really fascinating. We're talking about, again, Psalm 78. And in verse 58, in Psalms 78, he gets to our episode here with Mishkan Shiloh and the abdication of the ark and so forth. So if we pick it up in verse 58, it says like this. Again, I'm in Psalm 78, verse 58. And they angered Hashem with their altars. And they aroused Hashem's jealousy with their idols. So the Jewish people are sinning and they're going to have to get punished. So it says in verse 59, God heard this and his anger overflowed. And he rejected Israel greatly. And what does he do? Verse 60, So he abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh. That was the tent which dwelt among men. That was the Mishkan, the tabernacle, for 369 years. Verse 61, And he placed his might, that is his power, into captivity. That's the ark in captivity. His glory was in the hands of the oppressor. That's the ark over in Philistine land. Verse 62, again, I'm in Psalm 78, Ayin Chet. And he delivered his nation to the sword. And now in this Psalm, King David is going back to the war of the Philistines against the Jews. He says he delivered his nation to the sword. His anger against his inheritance, that is, his anger against the Jews was great. Fire consumed his young men. Those are the Jews who fell in that war against the Philistines that we saw in the last chapter. And his virgins, that is Hashem's maidens, the Jewish girls, had no marriage celebration because the men fell in the war. His priests fell by the sword. Hey, that's Chafni and Pinchas. And his widows did not weep. Now that sounds a lot like the wife of Pinchas that we learned about in the last chapter. She did not weep. That is, she didn't weep over her husband Pinchas. She was more interested that the ark was taken. She named her kid Ikavod. She didn't name the kid Pinchas. Verse 65, and now the ark is going to do his thing against the Philistines. And then the Lord awoke like one who had been sleeping. Like a warrior rousing himself from wine. So it's like Hashem had been sleeping, but now he wakes up. And he struck his enemy into retreat. Now look at that verse. And he struck his enemy into retreat. 
he smote his enemies and says achor. So it could be translated that he smote them into retreat or he made them go backwards because achor means backwards. But achor is also backside. So it could be he struck them in the backside. That's the hemorrhoids we're talking about in verse 66. They were eternally disgraced. And then King David says, And he rejected the tent of Yosef. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. You see, Shelah was in the portion of Ephraim. And King David's giving a little dig here to the tribe of Yosef, to the tribe of Ephraim, that Shiloh didn't last. I mean, 369 years isn't bad, but it wasn't an everlasting thing because at the end of the day, the temple is going to be in the portion of Judea, of Yehuda, in Mehar Zion, as the Psalm says. And since King David is from Judea, the Malchut, he's writing history in this Psalm from his perspective. So it's like he's saying, well, Shiloh really never had a chance because it was never meant to be the eternal site of the tabernacle. You can see here at the end, he's kind of biased towards Judea. But you see here in Psalm 78 that David is going through what we just saw in our text. And that finishes our chapter. Let's see what happens in our next year. Remember the Aaron, the Ark is still with the Philistines. And they're trying to get it off their hands. So stay tuned.